Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. Spring has sprung early here in the Northern Hemisphere, and I'm embracing my birthday month of March by diving headfirst into the shadowy depths of Pisces season. During this time, my dreams activate and animate even more vividly than usual, bleeding into my creative endeavors and imbuing them with just a little extra dash of magic. And speaking of magic, my guest today is a delightfully cheeky sorceress herself. I will be interviewing Lou, the Empress of the Empire at Housecraft, witchy educator, advocacy worker, community builder, and creator of the brilliant network of podcasts under the Housecraft moniker, of which I'm a longtime fan. She and I traverse some heretofore uncharted waters here on the show, the world of precognitive dreams. So I thought I would seize the opportunity to do an intro with some more information on precognitive dreaming through the lens of Carl Jung's work and writings. This Jungian Life, another one of my favorite podcasts, did an excellent episode about this very topic, episode 52 of their show, which I'll be citing and encourage you to check out if you're interested. Approximately 60% of people feel they have experienced a dream that was precognitive in nature, meaning it somehow predicted an event that had not yet come to pass and would later be revealed to the dreamer with an uncanny familiarity. Ancient civilizations and wisdom traditions have made space for these experiences for centuries. As cited in The Psychology of Dreaming by Josie Malinowski, we know that these types of dreams go back as far as at least the 15th century BCE Egypt, where the future pharaoh Tutmose IV was said to have been told how he could become ruler of Egypt by a sphinx in a dream. Young's word for this type of experience would be synchronicity or meaningful coincidence, as these types of moments tend to make quite an impression on the dreamer, even shifting their perspective in fundamental ways. I can't help but be curious about the intersection with psychism here, another of my favorite subjects. In fact, the parapsychological studies that have been done on precognitive dreams tend to follow this crooked bend in the road as well. The infamous Mammonides studies performed by Montague Ullman and his colleagues yielded impressive results in their subjects accurately dreaming the previous night of a randomly selected image revealed to them the next day, five out of eight nights, which was statistically impressive, but quite difficult to replicate. Young might say that these dreamers are tapping into the collective unconscious the bank of psychic material available to all of us, the cloud from which we download pertinent information and archetypes that shape our understanding and experience of being human. While Freud staunchly dismissed the idea of precognition in dreams as utter nonsense, Jung would make space for the possibility that in dreams, we may be able to access a knowing that takes us out of the limitations of the ego and the will and reminds us that there are other forces or elements at play in the universe, opening up a psychological space or expansiveness that can feel quite rewarding. But how do we know if a dream is precognitive or symbolic? Is there a way to tell? Here, I would integrate what I've learned from many of my favorite dream researchers and urge you to consider all of the possibilities. The beautiful thing about dream images is that they can hold multiple meanings at once due to their metaphorical nature. 
So we can consider a dream at face value and check for understanding there, but we can and should also expand and challenge ourselves to consider it symbolically. And if something is revealed to us precognitively, it may simply be a way of expanding our awareness or even preparing us on a certain level for the inevitable. But we must avoid the trap of assuming responsibility for altering future events. We've all seen Back to the Future, so we know how that turns out. The karmic wheel turns, and we must find a way to honor this. On this very subject, Jung himself had this to say, quote, The occurrence of prospective dreams cannot be denied. It would be wrong to call them prophetic, because at bottom they are no more prophetic than a medical diagnosis or a weather forecast. They are merely an anticipatory combination of probabilities, which may coincide with the actual behavior of things, but need not necessarily agree in every detail. Unquote. As a quick note before we get into the interview, I am trying something a little different over the next few months on Patreon. Having wrapped up our fabulous chakra meditation series, I'm going to be offering expanded deep dives on the subject of each episode's introduction throughout the rest of season two. So if you want lots more research and musings on precognitive dreams, you can check out the bonus episode I will release on Patreon to expand on these ideas further. Now, without further ado, onward to my interview with the one and only Lou, founder and executive director of Housecraft Productions. Here we go. Lou from Housecraft. Welcome to Psyche Magic. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my favorite part of podcasting, getting to meet new people, talk new things. I'm so excited. Just like nerd out together. I cannot wait. I've, I've been looking forward to this. So yay. Yes. Lou, there are so many things you do. I just, I would love it if you could introduce yourself for the listeners. I, you're going to do it so much better than I ever would. So please introduce yourself. Tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am Lou. I am the owner, CEO, bitch in charge at Housecraft. Hell yeah. And yes, Housecraft is an artistic collaboration of different podcasters, different artists, and most of it is either witchy or creepy or spooky in some capacity. But I write a ton of episodes. I do voice acting. I do editing, production, reach out to other podcasts. And it has been such a huge growing process. When we started, it was two of us talking witchcraft, and then it turned into this giant theatrical production that it is now. Yes, and indeed, it is such a well-produced production. Like, every time I listen to an episode, I'm like, man, you guys just really get the details right. Like, there are so many little small things that draw me into your stories and just really make me feel like it's unfolding before my eyes. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've always been such a visual person, and I love reading and I love research and I love history and I have so many unique friends who give me so many different perspectives. So I feel like I have a really rounded approach for writing and I never knew I'd be good at it and I really like it. That's the best when you're like, oh man, I'm kind of going out on a limb here. And then you realize, no, I I have a knack for this. Like I found a groove. It's so fun. For real. I I am my mother's daughter. My mom's an author and she started when she was like 50 and I was like, what a random thing to pick up, but cool. And then three years later, I'm writing and producing podcast episodes through the COVID epidemic. And here we are. As it turns out, I might be a little bit of a writer, too. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I know. I I remember like early, early on when I started the show, one of my first goals was like having a predictable reason to get some writing done. Like I just was struggling to have like a routine. So I was like, okay, I will give myself deadlines and I will have to get something done by this time. Like, let's give that a shot. You're so organized. (laughs) I'm such a chaos witch. I'm like, I should write, I should do this. And then it's two days before whatever assigned deadline I had. And I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm going to play video games or something Uh. instead. And then like, a month later, inspirational hit, and I'm free writing for an entire yes. day and a half and editing and recording. 
Do not get me wrong. Sometimes that is exactly how it be. It's always when I have to do work where I'm like, you know, I feel kind of inspired to not do that and do this I instead. I want to do this <laughs> other thing right now, actually. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Too real. Mm-hmm. It's my self-care. It's my self-care. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited because we're doing like this little collaboration. I'm going to be doing some fun things on your show, tapping into my more theatrical side. So, yeah. I can't wait to see it. I saw your outline. Yay! I'm so excited. And I've told people for so long, you know, running a, a site that has so much witchcraft-based information coming through it, it's hard to explain to people that I'm not religious. Yes, I know what you mean. I don't believe in a deity. I don't believe necessarily in a higher power whatsoever. And I think a lot of it ties into natural science and psychology and the power that we give ourselves in our minds. So then I hear about your podcast and it just seemed like a perfect fit. And then I got your outline and I'm super excited to see your water witch. Dude, Ah! creating that character. I'm already having so much fun. I'm like, oh my God, this this is a whole new world. Okay. And I'm excited. I'm here for it. Well, and I love what you were just saying too about um, just sort of parsing out the differences between having a practice or a craft, right? Versus like necessarily tying that to a sort of more external religion, right? Like if that's like fair to say, it's this is more of like yeah. an internal uh, process and like an interconnected process, right? Right. So yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm excited in this conversation to make space for discussing these sort of tenets of witchcraft that are not necessarily like religious or deity based. Because yeah, I agree. I think that's a very common misconception. I think a lot of people who like practice in paganism or Wiccan or spirituality of any kind will all come back to the basic idea that we ourselves are divine and it's based on intention. So if your intention and your divinity is your own, then that's your own. And if it's in something else, then it's in something else. And I don't know. It's just not mine. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. For me, that really is one of the key parts is just that like that divinity of the self, like that divinity of all living things. So that's been very healing for me. Yes, I love that. Well, now, okay, on that note, we are pulling a tarot card today. And that has been such a connective process for me. So like every time I pull a card, I feel like I'm accessing maybe a part of myself or a part of my subconscious. So it's become like a very sacred practice. What about you? How are you a tarot? Like, are you a tarot person? I'm going to shuffle while you tell me. So I wish I could show you the room next to me right now. I have an entire tarot room. Like, am I a tarot person? Yeah. And it's where I do my yoga. <laughs> it's my self-care room, essentially. It's where Wait, I record my podcast. That's where I, I am, yoga. too. Oh, Lou, Lou I'm in my self-care room, and I do my yoga here. And my It's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I have that. all my favorite plants. I got my David Bowie poster. Oh. I've got, like, a whole corner with all of my sage, my shells. I am native, so nobody freak out. No, yeah, uh, nobody freak out. I'm allowed to do this. Leave me alone. That's the one I get all the time, and I'm like, I, I really appreciate your attention to cultural recognition. I do, but also, and I'm, aware. I'm good. And, yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, so recently I got into the practice. I got a Christmas gift last year, yeah. and it is a piece of wood, and it car- it's your, your reading of the day. Uh, you put a little tea light candle in it, and they gave me a box of crystal points. And so every morning fabulous. when I'm getting ready and I have the time, I'll pick out two crystals that I want to focus on that day. Amethyst is for, like, protection. Mm. Quart- rose quartz if I'm feeling loved mm-hmm. if I need clarity I'll use clear quartz if I'm having dark or negative thoughts I'll use black quartz and I'll pick my two crystals and then I'll do my reading I'll sage and smudge and uh pull my three cards and then those are the cards that I focus on the rest of the day I love this it gives me just something to to clarify on or something yes. I can come back to during the day when I need to think deeper but I don't necessarily know how to prompt myself to do so yes exactly like it's just this little sort of grounding like totem or just this little like uh tenant to kind of come back to I think that's so Mm -hmm. helpful I don't know sometimes I just feel like I need a place to like return my mind back to over and over again like I just I have such a busy mind so something like that can be very helpful 
Well, and I hear a lot of people say they don't have time to practice or do tarot or do these sorts of things in your day. And I totally get that. So I stopped looking at it as a practice or something I had to do and started working it in as like a routine. Like, yes, I'm going to make my cup of coffee. I'm going to put the pot on and I'm going to do this while I'm waiting for the coffee. And it just what I do. worked itself into the day. And the same yeah. way. I'm the same. I pull a card each morning. I sit down. I do a little meditation. Sometimes it's five minutes sometimes it's like 30 minutes depends um but I always pull a card like that's just become like a non-negotiable like it has to happen every day so well and your power is in your intention if you take time to focus that intention then you have more power in what you're doing awareness is critical exactly yes it feeds and reinforces and strengthens that energy and that's another reason I love having like a such a, a little sacred space that I like go back to each time yeah it makes it so special. You don't even, it's not even a chore then. You just want to do it. You want to go see your pretty things and have your quiet space. Oh my God. And you yes. deserve it. And you deserve it. <laughs> and you deserve Everybody it. Everybody deserves that. Whether it's a Absolutely. corner or a little shelf, like it doesn't matter. It can be a tiny shelf. It can be your bedside table. Whatever works for you, boo-boo. 100. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we got our card and it's a fun one. I don't think I pulled this card on the show yet. Um, this is my Smithwaite deck. So I will show Lou the card Ooh. and then I will describe it for the listeners. Y'all. Okay. I know. I was like, if it's the tower, I'm leaving. You're like, get me out of here. <laughs> Forget it. No, but I love this card. So absolutely. I know. Okay. So listeners, um, I pulled the Wheel of Fortune for us. So we've got Major Arcana Energy here with us today. So this card is like chock full of symbol and imagery. So in the middle, there is this wheel. There are the representation of the elements. There are, I'm not sure what exactly these um, characters are. They look like they might even be Hebrew. I would have to look that up. But so in the four corners, there are four different uh, winged creatures. So there's a bull, a lion, an eagle, and then like kind of an angelic looking figure. There's also a sphinx on top of the wheel. And then there's a little kind of uh, tricky trickster devil looking creature on the bottom of the wheel, as well as a snake. So yeah, a lot going on, a lot of imagery. Um, So Lou, when you see this card, what happens? Like, what is the kind of first like feeling or take that that comes up for you? This card is my jam. Really? Yay! I, yes, I love this card. I don't particularly. So when I was younger, I was really afraid of doing anything. Mm. I would stay close to the rules that I knew. I never broke rules despite what my mother might tell you. I was very well-behaved. Don't listen. Um, Yes, but I was afraid of risks. I was afraid of change, and I wasn't really going anywhere either. As I got older, and especially I'd say in like the last five years as I'm really coming more into my power and more like familiar with who I am as a witch, as a woman, as an advocate, I have realized that I just don't say no to things. Mm. I will throw things at the wind and see what happens, which is how (laughs) I mean, that's how Housecraft came to be. You said it earlier, chaos, like, let's go, like, just, yeah, throw it, let's see. Mm -hmm. So the Wheel of Fortune gives you so many opportunities. There's so many paths you can take and anything can happen at the end of that path. And it can be a scary thing or you can embrace it and go on that ride. And I used to be afraid of a lot of mm. things. And now I would say it's it takes a lot to scare me. I, <laughs> I will very much so jump off the cliff. Wow. Okay. I, man, I love that so much. I love the image of sort of like spinning the wheel with reckless abandon and just seeing where it lands and knowing that I am powerful and I have choices and wherever it lands, I'm going to figure it out. That big goddess energy. Yeah. You make it through every day. 100%. So what's going to change? Well, yeah, because I mean, like looking at all of the different sort of figures on this card, like there are lots of different types of energy represented here. And um, I personally, I have an affinity for sort of trickster energy. And so that also feels connected to part of what you're saying. It's just like accessing a little bit more of that, like no risk, no reward. Like let's go. Let's, let's fuck shit up. It's like. true. You can, it's true though. If you're scared just do to do anything, where are you going to just fucking do it? <laughs> I don't know how many times I'm, I can literally say that, but For all real. my friends will tell you that is the first advice I will give somebody is what's the worst that's going to happen. Oh my Think God. Think of the worst case scenario. Get, get granular about that. Like 
Be real yeah, about it. Like if realistically. You can live with the worst case, do it. Do it. Do it. That's and so... especially if it's something that's gonna help you grow. Yes. So one of the one of the animals on the card really stuck out to me because I've been doing a lot of research on Lilith lately. Yeah. The snake. And the snake has a couple of different connotations as far as archetypes. Yes. But a big one that I always think of is knowledge, not necessarily sneaky or fear, but knowledge. Yeah. And on the other side of that jump is always going to be some sort of knowledge that you gain. Yes. Be it knowledge in yourself and what you're capable of, or maybe limitations that you can work on and break through. Either way, I learned something, right? Like I now right. have more knowledge and knowledge is power. I, I gained exactly. power. I know I'm a huge snake person um <laughs> I really have grown to love that symbol and just for me like every time I see a snake I think of shedding transformation I'm a Scorpio I'm like a Scorpio everything so like <gasps> of course you uh, dude are. so I literally feel like I transform into a new person every like two to three years and I'm like unrecognizable like oh that's kid fun. I like you that. <laughs> not I know. Okay. You know what's funny though is that this card I have found that when I pull this, like I I don't do like professional tarot readings, but I do them with friends and stuff. And usually when I pull this card, it like one of the first words that you used was fear. And it like it tends to bring up that like fear response for people of like, oh no, what's gonna happen? What's where's the wheel gonna spin? So it's like it's a card that's about like embracing change and uncertainty. Like that's kind of all we well, have. always want to know where it <laughs> Everybody always wants to know what's on the other side. Yes. It's the uncertainty, the fear of the unknown. They want to know, okay, well, that's, okay, I drew the wheel, but what does it mean? Does it mean I do make this choice? What, what now? Does it mean I don't make this choice? Yes. It just means you have a choice. What is your choice? Yes. Is it the choice you want to make? What's on the other side of fear? Oh, it's such a great card because it's not a yes or no card. It's like, ooh, spin the wheel and see. I love I those. Know. Well, I like to call those my naughty cards. Naughty card. It's such a naughty card. <laughs> um, and I also like, okay, because you were talking earlier about your own process with learning to move through fear, right? And I can't help but think of some of the work that I've done even with clients, like let's say that someone's dealing with something like OCD, right? And so the big thing that my brain just really has a hard time with in that scenario is any type of uncertainty. My brain is like four alarm fire, like no, we need 100% certainty. So the gold standard for treating OCD is a treatment called exposure and response prevention. The solution is to expose myself to the scary thing in small doses that I can tolerate in my nervous system, right? But over time, guess what? Scary thing becomes right. not so scary. So yes. Right. Yes. It is the same process. Okay, cool. So Wheel of Fortune. We'll see if she continues speaking to us throughout the interview. Um, it's just going to be utter chaos from here on out. Chaos. That's the <laughs> message. Chaos. Let's go. I guess it's my word of the day. I don't know why. Apparently. I'm here for it. I'm into it. Let's get, okay. let's get I'm like, chaotic. As long as we're all here for it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Lou, when I sent you your form to fill out for the show, you were teaching me that there are several different types of dreams that happen for you. I would love it if we could talk about, I, hopefully we have time to talk about any or all of them. But if you want to just give us a quick little snippet of like one idea or one dream, a place that you want to start, and then we'll just kind of let it, we'll get chaotic. We'll let it flow wherever it wants to. Sure. Um, so I have, yeah, right. I'm like, it's going to go, I'm going to start telling you a dream. And then halfway through the neurodivergent part of myself is going to be like, but one time when I was four, I had the same. Don't worry. It happens. I'll, I'll be on the same wavelength. So yes, all good. Perfect. Okay. Well, a lot of, so when I was doing your form initially, I didn't really get what you were getting at. Like, oh, we're picking it apart, obviously. Uh -huh. So I was like, well, I have a lot of the same dreams, you know, yeah. I don't have a specific one. But most of my dreams, I'm in some sort of connecting building. Yeah. There's multiple buildings, but they all connect with like rooms and halls yes. and stuff. And I end up going from room to room and I'm usually trying to find a person okay, or like a thing. Like I, I don't always like know what it is. Yeah, but there's a... There's a mission. There's something mm -hmm. we're doing something here, right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of the rooms that I I start in are rooms that, or yeah, I start in actually, or like the mid room when I get stuck or lost in my dream and I'm trying to find my way out, um, tends to be an area that I'm familiar or comfortable with. Interesting. So growing up, one I was really excited about was that I remember 
I don't remember the whole dream, but I remember the midpoint of the dream. I was hiding Mm -hmm. and I was trying to find something at the same time. And I grew up near Kansas City and there was this huge two-story Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And everything was huge and massive and the ceiling was painted and it was this beautiful building. And that was the building I was in. And I was like, what? Looking around, trying to find something. I couldn't remember what it was. So I go leaving. I took an exit that I remember from the building and I ended up in a sandwich shop that I knew from college. Yeah. And I don't know what I was doing in there at all. I didn't need a sandwich. So I kept going through there and behind there was a bar that I also used to visit in college. But I would just keep winding through rooms and it was usually trying to find a person. Mm -hmm. And I would remember the main room as someplace that I knew or was familiar with. And then something that usually comes out of the, I don't dream often. So when I do, they usually stick pretty vividly in my memory. And Sometimes these dreams later on Mm. would happen in real life Mm -hmm. and it would throw me hardcore. I would, but it was always two or three years later. It was never immediately God, that is wild that it would be such a long gap. Like, what? And that's why I I almost didn't believe it for the Mm. longest time. So I started writing them down. Mm -hmm. Am I imagining things? Is something wrong? I have to be going off of universal symbols or something. This doesn't make sense. But they kept Mm. popping up and they kept happening. So I remember talking to my mother about Mm. it, who taught me my craft and my path forward. And she used to do a lot of guided meditations and stuff with me as a child. And she told me that that was just our gift. Wow. And that she, my my grandmother reads cards. My mother reads cards. My great grandmother had could read thoughts. Mm. She said no matter what, she would always know what people were thinking. Mm. And I wouldn't believe it, except that my mom has this tendency every time I come over, if she's really worked up or worried about me, she'll follow me around until I forget that she's behind me. And then she'll casually offer me a tarot deck and I'll cut it. And then I'll continue whatever I'm doing. And she'll follow me until I've forgotten that I've done it. And then she'll make me draw a card. And then she'll go... Lauren, I don't know about this. Yeah. Or she'll tell me that, oh, you're doing really good, honey. But she's usually right. And I hate that. Wow. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait. So in these moments, like she'll be concerned. She'll have a specific like concern or worry about mm-hmm. you. And then oftentimes the card will like confirm that. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes I don't even no, she's tell not her what's playing. going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. And she'll be like spot on. I don't tell my mom everything. But Look, she'll sometimes just nail it. <laughs> she'll just pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I want to say that it it's not in the realm of reality. I try and stay very, like, Look. realistic in my beliefs, as witchy as they are. I know. But I'm telling you that I have these dreams, and then they happen. And it feels like deja vu, but I remember. Yes. There's something about also sort of lineage here, right? Like, there's just there's a through line. Yeah. Yeah, my mom does joke a lot about the women in our line because we all live to be almost 100. Really? Yeah, no matter what, we don't age very quickly yeah. uh, and we all have different abilities. Oh my God. So I love that yeah. so much. So, this sort of idea of precognitive dreams is something that comes up a lot, actually. But I don't think it's something that we've touched on in the show. And I, for one, think it's fascinating because the way that I tend to view dreams and sort of dream work is that we are accessing more parts of our brain than we usually have access to, right? Like we are accessing the subconscious. And then some might say that those subconscious areas of the brain are where we also receive sort of wisdom or knowing, right, or guidance that is beyond our sort of conscious ability to know, right? Some people might call that the collective unconscious. Some people might call it psychic connection to God, right? It doesn't really matter what language you use. The point is that our brains are very capable of lots more than we think they are, right? So absolutely. Yeah, like so much that we haven't discovered yet. So the way that I view precognitive dreams is that we're able to tap into more of our knowing that we're not aware of, but that's in there. So I think it's brilliant. I love it. I was reading earlier about um, Carl Jung, one of my heroes. And because I remember that he had a take on precognitive 
dreams and I couldn't remember what it was. But really, it was that he was sharing his own precognitive dreams. And so in his last book, Memories, Dreams and Reflections, he shares several different instances of dreams he had that ended up predicting like really large events. Like he had dreams that predicted World War One, for example, like very intense dreams. Um, and so that was something that came up for him. And again, he didn't try to say that he knew exactly what was going on, but he just he wanted to reference that as like an important point of interest. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to say like, oh, no, my dreams tell the future. But every once in a while, I'm like, but they kind of they kind of do. I know. And whether it's unlocking something or not, I think about all of the, and here's the chaos in me. Again. OK, good. We I love always, it. And the Wheel of Fortune, let's tie it back. So I will jump hands-on to anything I can find, and I push myself to the extreme. I started a podcast network. I create my own podcast. I write all the time. I also take care of kids. (laughs) I'm a sexual assault and domestic violence advocate. I work in... I do so I work at the food rescue. I do so much every week. Yes. And I do that because I love to push myself. But then when I think about... They always tell you rest is important. Rest is how you recharge. You can't give yourself, you can't give any part of yourself to anything or anyone if you come from an empty cup. No. So I also believe heavily in playing hard and resting. Mm. And I like to think that if that's the thing that I can do, if this is all the stuff that I'm capable of when I'm awake, what am I doing when I'm sleeping? Exactly. You know my brain I mean, is maybe doing I something. Can. Yeah, it's not going to just turn off. I know myself Please. well enough for that. <laughs> Please. Yeah, right. But, if I'm resting and recharging this thing that I'm constantly mm-hmm. working out, it's like a workout and yes. exercise. You use meditation, you use tarot reading, you use whatever pushes you mentally mm. beyond where you're sitting at this point in time. And then imagine what it does when you stop giving it the limitations of your own thoughts and your own boundaries. Yes. And your mind just free flows. Oh, God. The, okay. Yes. Like that term free flows, that feels really essential to what we're talking about, because there is something about sort of transcending the limitations of the conscious mind and the conscious expectations that we have more access to when we're in this very just like receptive, vulnerable state of sleep, right? Like, I'm for sure. open. Yeah, I wish I was better at science and knew all the things to pull out. But there are all sorts of studies and things that have been done on what rest does to your brain Mm. and the things people are capable of with rest. I know. So I don't think it's beyond belief to think that your mind is capable of incredible things while you're asleep, even precognitive things. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even just, I mean, granted, yes, we don't have studies necessarily about the the precognitive abilities that can appear in dreams. But we do have studies about the incredible problem-solving abilities and inventions that have happened in dreams, right? Like, this is something that is super well-documented and cited. I'm so glad you had that. (laughs) Well, yeah. Off the top of my head, like, I know that, like, the sewing machine was invented in a dream. Like, what a fabulous invention. That's wild. I know. I love to sew. I never knew that. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, there's lots of examples, but even just, I don't know, it goes beyond just, like, practical things. Because even, like, accessing really powerful works of art or creativity has happened in dreams. Like, one of my favorite examples is um, Mary Shelley got the idea for Frankenstein in a dream. Like, it just... That's yeah, right. The story I forgot like about that. On her. I know. I love that one. I love that. Oh, like what a character. Like what a powerful like metaphor and like figure. I love all the old Gothic I romantic know. literature. So that makes perfect oh, sense. So do I. Yeah. I should, <laughs> it's funny. I'm thinking out loud. I should do an episode about like some of the cool like creations and inventions and dreams. Um, that would be that fun. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think Nicholas Tesla invented... I know he had something about dreams, too. Maybe. Only because I went to a hotel that focused on him lately, and they said something. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. Okay. It's a terrible reference, but I know there was something. Okay, can you give us like a fun example of like one of these moments where it's like, I dreamed X and then I lived Y? Like, can you walk us through one of those moments? Oh my gosh, I can, but it's going to be really terrible for my child. So hopefully she never listens to this. Hopefully Um, we can shield her. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I remember being in high school and having this dream and it was like wild. I was in my, my normal strip of buildings wandering through and I was in high school. So I hadn't had done drugs. I hadn't had drank. I was very clean cut. So the dream that's about to happen would not be my normal life. Fair enough. Yeah. So I'm wandering through and I'm dressed in almost nothing. I'm mm. practically naked, but I have leaves like Eve. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, I end up in this huge garden that's in the middle of a shopping mall. Whoa. So like tons of people can see you, but there's this center that almost is like the Garden of Eden. Whoa. And I end up hooking up with some guy from high school who I don't remember who he was in the dream. I didn't know his face or anything. Yeah. And I get, and he's dressed like Adam and I get pregnant. And I wake up and I'm like, well, that was wild. And of course I'm what, 16 or something. So yeah. I'm definitely not thinking about having dream. children. Yeah. Right. So fast forward three years later, and I am in college, and I'm doing all this wild stuff. Mm. And I end up working at... We are living. A cage dancer at a certain club for like a little bit. It wasn't nude, but there was lots of dancing and very little. Right. So it's Halloween. What do I do? I hot glue a bunch of leaves to some boy shorts and some nipple pads, and I go as Eve. Not thinking twice about it. Don't even remember the dream. So I had just broken up with a dude at the time who I had dated in high school and we'd been living together and we broke up. We weren't, I had moved out. I ended up meeting him at that club that night and we got pregnant with our now child. Stop. I literally Mm -hmm. have chills. We're still really good friends. We're not together, but we literally (laughs) have chills. I was literally dressed as Eve and got pregnant on Halloween. And it was like, we had, and it was like, on Halloween, and I was one. Uh, the apartment that he was in was right next to a graveyard, so we had to like go through the. I'm not kidding. Like I wish I was in Fort Collins. There's a graveyard right next to an apartment complex off Shields, Crazy. and we would walk through the graveyard. And I got pregnant, dressed as Eve on Halloween. Oh my god! So that's the friendliest example. <laughs> that is like I no. I, that's like one of the craziest stories I've heard. Actually, like that's incredible. Yeah. Just to so the I exactness of the symbols, like just. It was spot on. Oh my it God. was spot on. And so I actually saved that diary journal entry because I was trying to remember my dreams later on. So I was writing down all the ones yeah. I've remembered. And um, so I actually took that journal entry and like dumbed it down a little bit. And I started, I put it in my, I have a book of letters that I've been writing my daughter since she was born. Love. So every time there's a major life thing, I'll write a letter to her. So Gorgeous. she will eventually have like, but I put that in there. Like I had a dream about when I knew I was going to have you because I just knew. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time. And then it circled back around. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yep. And is Eve on Halloween? That's ridiculous. No, and like knowing what I know about you and just like, I mean, even a minute ago, we were talking about like the snake and just kind of like subverting like some of those like messages. It's just like, I'm like, there's like a different layer of like power, like for Eve in that story that I'm like very into. Well, and Eve on her own was very powerful. Like she watched the fall of Lilith and she was still curious enough to break the rules afterwards. There's power in that too. I am not going to be able to get over that Eve story. And your daughter, and your daughter's how old now? She's 14. Oh, my God. She uh, is also a force to be reckoned with. Oh, I can only <laughs> imagine. Oh, my God. And that is such a magical, like, age. Like, it's so fraught, but it's, like, so powerful. Oh, yeah. And she's surrounded by so many powerful women, not just myself, but her aunts and her mother, or oh. grandmother, my mother, and so many just strong women around her that this child has no concept of the well she has every concept of the fact that women aren't equal and she has zero patience for it ah, we love that for her and she yes. knows how to say it well yes. she also does like a bunch of community outreach and that's how it should be that is how it should be honestly she could be in church but instead she's feeding the homeless Heck no like making some good things happen make it happen wheel of fortune make it happen wheel of fortune take initiative like do the thing yes be the change be the change um okay (laughs) yes i want to hear more about all of your like 
activism and your work and all those things to wrap up our dream conversation. So we touched on the sort of precognitive aspect of your dreams, which is just so fun. And I can't wait to learn more about like, just as things unfold, how precognitive dreams happen and how they work and what they mean. Now I want to know. I know. We'll have to do more parts of this topic. (laughs) However... There was another aspect of your dreams that I wanted to touch back on because it was really interesting. It was this idea yeah. of like being in a, you know, familiar-ish place, but a place where everything is connected. Like it's like all these different rooms are connected. Sometimes it's a mall, sometimes it's a library, sometimes it's a bookstore. I wanted to bring it back to this because I tend to hear that a lot. And I have recently stumbled upon this sort of like theory that whenever we have a dream where we are in a big like circular place or like complex, it could be seen as being a symbol of like a karmic playground of like a place where I can kind of work out some of my my life's like lessons and things that I'm wrestling with. Right. Right. Okay, you're nodding. You're feeling it. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I hear that story so often of people saying I always go back to this like certain place and it's like in a circle and things are connected. It's like it's very wheel of fortune, right? It's very karmic wheel. Um, So yeah, if that brings up anything for you, please speak to that. It does. So like I said earlier, (laughs) my mom used to do a lot of guided meditations. And one thing it taught me to do as I was getting older was to kind of play in that space between dreaming and consciousness. Mm. Um, It was really easy for me to kind of slip in and out. So in dreams, when I do have them, sometimes it was really easy to say, this is a dream, but I'm not in control. Yeah. But this is a dream. Yeah. So I'm aware. Right. So as I was moving through the process, I would try and pay extra attention to the things that I was seeing that weren't directly in front of me nice. to see if I could figure out why I was there. Mm. I figured if I was in a place like a bookstore, mm-hmm. there's the obvious like, oh, it could be an archetype for your seeking knowledge. Sure. But... The reality of it is, for me, it was like a memory spot. It was something Mm. I could anchor to a feeling or a thought. Wow. And a a time with people. Yeah. So it would give me space to go back there where I was safe in Mm. my own mind to do so. And while I wouldn't have control over it, I would have recognition of the situation. Yes. So I could remember those things that I remembered about that spot in that place. But then I could think about it and work through it because I knew I was in a dream. Mm. Yeah, there's a different type of just sort of like freedom and flexibility to to literally play things out differently. Like ever since we're children, we learn by playing and moving things around and manipulating them, right? So it's like there's a certain type right. of play space that happens. And again, you mentioned safety, which is an essential factor of being able to experiment, play, like try things out. I have to be in a safe space. Well, and I think that comes with being able to trust your own mind Yeah, by trusting, like if you can trust yourself and that's shadow work, honestly, if you can trust yourself to have an honest conversation with yourself about the things that you're experiencing and why you're experiencing them, you will take so much more away from that dream than, wow, I was in a bookstore and then there was a bar. Yeah. It's like, so you were in a safe place where you remember being with your family and then you walked into another space that was where you were alone without your family. And you had all these influences that were pushing in on you. Mm. What does that actually mean? It's not really, I walked from this room to this room. What things did you see in there? Yeah. Yes. Like, did you really pay attention to the bar or did you notice a goldfish on the wall that really caught your attention? Yeah. And when did you maybe really see that in real life? What were you thinking then? What were you feeling then? Yes. That, okay. That is the thing I always try to remember about my own dreams. And also when I'm working with people about their dreams is like one of the main clues you're going to get is like, what is my sort of visceral emotional experience in these different like moments of a dream, right? Like that yeah. is pointing me back to what I need to be paying attention to. Like that's my little nudge. Like what's happening? Right. What am I feeling? And if you can wake up in the morning and remember that Ugh. and like – this is one thing I've Struggle. tried to practice doing when I do have dreaming. Like when I do have a dream, I try really hard to just really capture that moment. I try yeah. and like roast in it when I wake up yeah, so I too. remember it. Yeah. 
Because if you don't, it's gone so fast. I know. I try to hold on to it like a movie scene that I'm kind of rehearsing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do the same thing. Otherwise, it's gone. And like, I take you got to take it all the way down deep. Like, were you really afraid? So when I wake up and I'm afraid, I've had a a dream where I'm afraid. Yeah. I will roast in that fear. I will freak myself out farther if I can. I will go as deep down into it. So I remember this is important. I Mm -hmm. feel this way with this. Now, why? Yeah. And then I can come back to it in a conscious state. And then maybe later on, my unconscious state will be like, you really thought about that a lot. So we're going to go for round two. Yeah. And then you'll have another dream that kind of ties to it. No, I I have so seen that where if I pay attention, then I get more information, right? If I don't, then my brain just moves on. Like it's just it, where your attention goes is where your brain will give you more and feed into. Right. <laughs> for better or worse, right? Like. Sometimes that goes against (laughs) us. But yeah, I just encourage people that if you are having trouble remembering your dreams, but you're really interested, it's all about intention. Like set that intention over and over again. Like I want to remember my dreams. I want to work with them. You're putting that energy out there and you're going to get something back. I promise. Just keep trying. So yeah. And there's so many different ways around it. Like practice meditation yes. and it doesn't you don't even have to sit there and meditate you can find a smell you really like and lock onto it 100 you can, find, you can make a cup of tea and just get really yes. way too into it there's so many different ways you can do it where do i let myself just sort of get lost in an experience right like a mm-hmm. sort of sense based mm-hmm. experience yeah yeah and that's kind of also finding that choice with the wheel of fortune yes. is like giving into that moment giving into that thought giving into that intuition instead of letting it ride over you lean into it and see where your mind goes after that mm. lean into it y'all i'm i'm saying that for myself <laughs> My advice of the day <laughs> i'm saying that for me honestly um okay it's, it's great it's so great okay let's talk about your work i also Lou, to the extent that you want to, I'm very interested in your advocacy work. Like you mentioned being a survivor of domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. of sexual assault. Like, can you tell us about like how you've been able to like get involved and what that's like, what that's been like? Like, I really, I think listeners are really going to want to hear about that if you're comfortable talking about that. No, for sure. Absolutely. Um, So I started off in the hospitality industry and I worked there for a long time and COVID rolled around and I don't know if anybody else left the house immediately after all the restrictions were lifted, but the world forgot how to behave in that period of time. I know. People were horrendous. And I thought, you know what? This just is not for me. And I happened to have a good girlfriend who was in social work and she had been working with a Native American organization for a lot of major office of violence against women crimes yeah for years and she just kept encouraging me to apply and i didn't get the job the first time okay. and i didn't get the job the second time yep but i did get the job the third time there you go and it's because i when i decide i want something i get it. it it's not it's not an option to not have it yeah. i i manifest hard that's right. i just decide that that's the path forward and whatever it is that i have to do to get there i'm going to get there beautiful so i got this job and it was Everything I ever wanted in a job. Amazing. My boss was amazing. My coworkers were amazing. I felt so motivated. Mm-hmm. And I was working with Office of Violence Against mm-hmm. Women Crimes. And so a lot of it is domestic violence, sexual assault, yeah. stalking, choking, yeah. child abuse, elder abuse. So as the director's assistant, I sat in on every training. Mm-hmm. I sat in on every meeting. Um, I still do. And I have learned so yeah. much. I, I got my own certification for advocacy for domestic violence Amazing. and sexual assault. And Amazing. I have been doing that for a while now. Yeah. God. And as it turns out, when you start into social work, a million doors of other social work people in need pop open because they're so, You're so right understaffed all the time. Yes. The need is so great. And I like, honestly, the thing that comes up for me around this, I love hearing your story because you were so single-minded about exactly what you wanted to do. But also what I find is that if you just do something, like if you just show up to like one volunteer event or like one circle, that before you know it, you've got all these other like potential opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Like you just kind of Absolutely. dip a toe in and then there's so much here and it's so fulfilling. I can only imagine like... Yeah, there's so many people out there in need. And I feel like if you're really going to tap into the universe, you have to be able to tap into people too. And not just like the pretty things you see on TV or Instagram or the conversations you have online. 
You have to see every basis of real life. And my daughter's had a blessed life. I don't know how, because I was so poor when she was growing up and I'm doing better now. But again, intention, manifestation, charging forward, not taking no for an answer. (laughs) But as a result, I think she needs to see things and I'm not going to make her experience those things. But she spends every Sunday awareness. She has friends in the trailer park now that we like help. She knows how scarce food is, considering there's so much of it that gets thrown away. And she knows it's a human right. There's so many things that you start to reconsider. And someone told me once that when you lift the veil, you can't ever put it back Mm. down. There's Mm -mm. that fog never comes back. And it just gets more and more focused, more and more clear that the world is in desperate need of help. And that if you have like any free time and it doesn't take something away from it, can all do, do something. something. Yeah. And it's really fulfilling too. Yeah. And I feel like being able to do something that I found was fulfilling, let me also spark more into my creative side, spark more into my home life. It let me Ugh. relax into who I wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, like I awakening. Like my soul opened yes. a little bit more makes total sense to me. And I know that in my own experiences, getting involved in being helpful to people who have had similar experiences that I have had, it is mutually healing, like in a way that I can't even describe. It's just, yeah, yeah, very powerful. And normally I wouldn't be like, here's all the advocacy. Look at how awesome I am for all the work I do. But I feel like if you're going to do something like even just as simple as, as talking about dreams or yeah. reaching out and trying to understand the collective unconscious as it may be, you have to really understand all the stages and all the levels of it. And when you do, I feel like the world opens so much wider. So, yes, Lou, like so much of what is going on in the unconscious is what you were talking about earlier. It's like, it's those nitty gritty things that can be actually very hard to look at. Like we need kind, conscious guidance and support in working through this stuff, right? Like if there's something really painful and difficult that's going on, I might consciously be avoiding it, but my unconscious is going to bring it. Like it's going to shine a light and say, this is something that needs to get dealt with and you're going to need to figure it out. You're going to need to get support and you're going to need to deal with it. So yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. I feel like maybe that's why I don't have as many nightmares as I see all the ugly things and I don't really turn away from them anymore. Right? We are dealing, we are processing as we go regularly, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And when you find your place in there, it's not as scary. When you like actively stand against a system that isn't working yes. or you active like work against a failing no, it's environment for the people around us. It's empowering yeah. and you realize you don't have to be afraid That's of those right. things. God forbid that I became homeless tomorrow and couldn't afford food for my child. I would now know there's things help. and resources that I could go to and that there's help out there and that people can find it. They just have to look. And sometimes it's not easy, but they're there. And most of the people who are working in those services want to be there to help. They're not judging. They don't care. No, they want to help you. I will tell you, I know we're getting a little like off track, but not because it's chaos and we can do whatever (laughs) we want and we can talk about all the important things. I will tell you that I, you know, trying to speak from some of my own experiences, like the place where I saw what you're talking about so clearly was when we had the tornado here in Nashville in 2020. And it was remarkable, like watching people just come together and just show up for each other and literally just doing whatever it took and whatever was necessary to help each other. Like I had never gotten to see that so sort of explicitly before. And it was, I mean, it was like very eye-opening, life-changing. It was wild. It's amazing. If we just like put that same sort of like concerted effort into just sustaining our population, it would be so this much is, easier. This is possible. Yes. It is possible. Yes. Like I work with like the group of people I work with at the food rescue. Some of them work there. Some of them are teenagers from the high school who just want to volunteer on weekends. Some of them are friends who have just been doing it for years and it's their activity. We did it on Christmas Day. We did Love. it on Thanksgiving. We do it every chance because we feel good and we care about the people that we're helping and they like to see us and we like to see them. I know. And everybody it's wins. a round robin well, circle of fulfillment. There's yes. no, no wrong. Yes. No wrong. And then if you think maybe the world is becoming a better place, then even better. Oh, God. I know. I, that's something that, again, it's like it's that reminder of just 
hopefulness, right? Like in the face right. of so much pain and difficulty and sadness, it, then there's also hope. Like, okay, we come together, we help. Yeah. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the other thing is that it's like finding the help, right? Like finding right. the help. There are helpers. I forget who said this. Someone famous said like, go find the helpers. Like there are helpers anywhere, anywhere you go. Right. And honestly, I've heard people reference that with the dream realm, too. Like if you're in a dream and you're having a difficult experience or a difficult series of experiences, like look for the element in the dream that is helpful, because I guarantee you there's something like if I'm stuck in a loop of like nightmares or something like there's usually a helper. Yes. Mine was always like a friend, someone. Yeah. There's always something like a grounding. Yes. There's always something grounded. Yes. I like to think it's because you can't really free your mind without tethering yourself back to yourself or you can get lost out there somewhere. Okay. Yes. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Like not literally lost, but but like like, maybe within a dream or within a space of mind, like you have to be able to tether back to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Okay. Wow. I know we're coming to the end of time. It's just like, so like my brain just wants to just follow like so many different rabbit trails right now, but I'm bringing it back. Got you. Okay. You're doing great. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Let's, before we end, we have to talk about housecraft. So please, please teach us about the different sort of facets of housecraft. Like you guys have so much going on. Like, please give us a little rundown of like all the things. Yeah. So Housecraft is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on Patreon. We have Mm -hmm. a Facebook group called the Housecraft Home for Wayward Witches. It's so fun. I love it. It is really fun. We basically built a community uh, and it's a bunch of different witches, some who are witchy aesthetic, but not really witchy and some who are witchy, witchy and some who just it fun. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it originally started with a podcast and it was to me and a girlfriend and we would just talk about our experiences with witchcraft. And I realized one day that it wasn't really hitting the critical level of thinking that I was hoping that it would. Yeah. And my my co-host got pregnant, got married. We're cool. We're still homies. I'm going over after this. Nice. So I continued on when all this happened and I thought, how can I really make a podcast that engages people on a different level than the stereotypical witchcraft that I usually see. Yeah. I listen to every witch podcast out there. I believe you. Almost all of them were the same. Yeah. So I thought I would lean into the things that I loved doing. Like, why does it have to be a chore? Why am I trying to impress anybody? Why am I not doing something that I love? So I started writing scripts. Yeah. And they were very theatrical. Yes. I would take like a deity and I would make them really sarcastic, snarky lines that were out of place. And I would bribe all my friends to come over to my house and record them and I would turn them into these huge soundscapes I will I will do this for you anytime like I think it's so fun Lou I am so excited because of your enthusiasm honestly (laughs) I'm like that literally will make it so so much better like I'm down but Yes, it's going to be great. And so I I got a hold of a a few people through Instagram. I just started kind of putting out feelers. Like, it's so, witchcraft is kind of an oral tradition if you think about it. Yeah, It's all things that we learn from other people and other practitioners. So I ended up writing all these scripts and reaching out to people on Instagram. And some of these Instagram people reached back and they were foragers or chemists. And they had excellent ideas on, you know, witchcraft could tie in like this. so fun. I just said, well, can you... Would you record that? Yeah. If I do, you want to create a character? Do you want to write a book together? Not really a book, but I'm going to write it like a book. So I started making art to kind of inspire myself. Yes. And I was using like scholastic '90s style book covers <sighs> and like rainbow font colors with the old school scholastic fonts. And so good. I just started getting inspired, and it started rolling. That's and right. Obviously, I don't want it to be like a witch school, like Harry Potter, or a witch school, no. like Madame Whatever's. But I thought, how can no, I do this? No, it's very on my own? unique. Uh, yes, I will say it's very yeah. unique. It's very immersive, which is why I really like it. I, you guys really go to great lengths to make it a very sensorily immersive experience. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the the people on the team when we started are have ADD, and I heard yeah. about bilateral listening. Yes, yes. So I was using surround sound for a while and just kind of skipping it back and forth across the headphones and isolating sound when I was doing those soundscapes so that if you zoned out during a podcast, which I do all the time, I love podcasts. I have my own. I still zone out when I listen sometimes. Yeah. But so I would trigger the other ear when I was like, maybe I need to change the sound. And I change the music every couple of minutes so that your brain can't, it'll get comfortable 
long enough to write it, but then we'll latch onto the next yep. sound to draw you back in yep. as you go. Ugh. So it was very much so like a, how can I turn this into a full immersive experience for anyone? And not everyone believes in witchcraft, but everyone likes a good story. Yes. Everyone likes to hear history. Well, yes. or you don't. But there's like so many. If you're if I cool, you do. To every, if you're cool. If you're cool. <laughs> but if you made it accessible for everyone, yeah. it would be a lot more interesting. Absolutely. And I, as soon as it did, I started getting more and more people reaching out. There who you go. were into the element mercury and why it does what it does. Yep. Or into how to forage for chicken neck mushrooms safely. I, that's the thing. So, <laughs> the sort of breadth of content. Content, I think it's just really uh, like inspiring and it's so everything is so well researched like I really it's not lost on me that like that is a feat and that takes a lot of dedication but it creates just such a high quality fabulous experience so yeah everyone housecraft <laughs> thank you so okay what are the kind of rundown of shows so we also have camp dreadwood okay. which is my true crime podcast that i do oh, and love. i also do it very theatrical it was kind of how I, what inspired me to do housecraft the way i am nice. now it wasn't originally like that yeah. but i was i'm basically a kooky crazy camp counselor and i tell unsolved mysteries and true crime stories sensitively absolutely <laughs> i tell them as campfire very tales. important but yes yeah yeah but i tell them as campfire stories so i've done like slender man robert the doll i've done darker nice. ones like the oklahoma girl scout murders yeah so i've done a little bit across the board but camp treadwood yeah. is one that i do for fun that's like my storytelling one i, I have this it. whole behind the scenes murder mystery i've been writing this entire time and it's about to reveal in the next season yes please <laughs> yes please bring yes. it on i can't wait what's yeah, that to love preteen girls love it <laughs> no and honestly like just I don't know sort of like the lost art of like audio storytelling like actual storytelling is just you can't beat it did you ever get an are you afraid of the dark of course yes absolutely and goosebumps yes those are my big inspirations 100% I can so see that I took all these little pieces that I loved from all these yes. little, like, I'll be watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I'll be like, that's a really good idea. I'm going to put that I'm in there, but like that. this. And so I watch a lot of horror and I watch a lot of different, like, stories. Yeah. And it, I was, why not tell scary, real life is scarier than fiction. So why not 100%. tell stories that are scary in a way that's a little bit more accessible Ugh. than your straightforward Netflix and then he ate him. I know. Like, we get it. Okay. <laughs> we know. It's we fine. know. <laughs> we know. Right. Um, right. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Yes. So we've got Housecraft, The Witching Hour, Camp Dreadwood. And then the last one is 50 States of Terror. And that's yes. an American cryptid podcast. And that's my brother-in-law. And my sister is on hiatus at this point. She needed a vacation. Totally. But she jumps in too. And they go state by state. And they find famous cryptids. And they have a little bit of the fun storytelling aspect that you yeah. see in The Witching Hour. And then they'll do like a deep dive discussion into that cryptid. So that's Anthony Love. and Kaylee Diaz. Awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. You guys are so badass. I just can't even. Like multiple shows and they're all so good. I just we we Thank we you. bow down. Like, yes. Queen. It's been so much fun. And then thinking, I've had so many times where I think I can't finish this, but then I just love doing it. Understandable. But then I want to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, right. And we have like, Patreon has all sorts of extra content. For a while there, we had a newsletter that we were running. I couldn't keep up on it. So we dropped it. Look, you got to (laughs) pick and choose. We're always trying new things. Yes. We're always trying new things. Fabulous. Oh. So fun, Lou. Okay, so yes, Housecraft, more collaborations coming soon. Yes, I can't wait. I'm excited. That's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. I love directing. I love theater. We're going to have a blast. Oh, my God. Okay, so everyone stay tuned. (laughs) Yes. Lou, thank you so much for being here. So I just, I really loved this conversation. It was so fun and inspiring. Like, I don't know. I I just met you recently, but like when I'm around you, I feel that just creative like inspiration. So thank you. I'm it's so really glad. fun. Yeah. Thank you. That's such a compliment. Good. I feel like I, I mean just, it. you know, chill at home, but, but <laughs> thank like, you. But I appreciate like, that. Vibes are like happening. Vibes. I know vibes. Yeah, they are. Okay. Last things, please tell listeners just like where they can find you, follow along, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, you can definitely follow us on Instagram at Housecraft Official, Facebook at Housecraft Official. If you want a more interactive experience and get to talk to other witches who follow Housecraft, we do have a Facebook group, the Housecraft Home for Wayward Witches, and everyone kind of loves to connect and chit chat about episodes, witchy things that they're doing there. So that's always fun. And then we do have linktree.com backslash Housecraft Official, and you can find links to all of our podcasts on there. Yes. We're on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, any basically anywhere love it love it yeah but housecraft the witching hour (laughs) it's gonna be so fun i know i like legitimately can't wait so yeah we'll be talking more soon but thank you so much for wanting to be on the show like i'm honestly honored it was really fun i'm so grateful you asked me i'm so excited and it was a really good time i really enjoyed it (laughs) oh thanks lou That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you again to my guest, Lou from Housecraft, for inspiring me to push myself creatively, to let the wheel spin, and to lead with courage, integrity, and humor. If you believe in this work and want to support the continuation of our show, please join us on Patreon. There we are building a community where you'll find bonus dream work exercises, guided meditations, fun minisodes, and so much more. You can find that at patreon.com backslash psyche magic. The link is in show notes. Don't forget, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you'll be automatically entered into a monthly contest to win a free shadow work tarot session with yours truly. Even if all you can muster is a quick rating wherever you get your podcasts, we greatly appreciate it. It truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you and you could be featured on a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok, my favorite, at Psyche underscore magic. Also check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. The link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced, written, and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Masuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Daniel Higby, Michael McMillan, and Grace Fuse. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time.